I want to share with you uh, the, the, this Christmas message from the Gospel of Luke and, and from Mary. When I was a, a little boy, let me begin with this story. I was about three and a half years of age, and I was shopping with my mother. And we happened to be at a super value store in the kind of Crystal New Hope area. It's, it's no longer there. But I remember um, walking through that store and getting caught up with something on the shelf and losing track of my mom. And she turned the corner, and I didn't see her there, and I didn't think much of it, and, and stayed there for a little bit. And then when I finally decided, you know, I got a little nervous and anxious, I thought I would kind of go around the corner to see if she was there on the next dial, and she wasn't there. And my heart panicked just a little bit. And I went to the next dial, and she wasn't there. And to the next dial, and she wasn't there. And my heart started to panic. I started to think, where is she? And I went down the aisle, and I looked. I couldn't find her. And I thought to myself, did she, did she just leave? Did she forget me? Well, it so happens, as, as you would know, parents don't usually do things like that, correct? And my mom was going the other way looking, and we just crossed and missed each other. And I felt panicked, and I felt abandoned and lost and filled with fear until I saw my mom come around the corner and she saw me and our eyes kind of lit and I came running into her arms and hugged her and she said, don't ever, you know, and it was all that stuff <laughs> that kids get. Well, I want to share with you that I believe there are people who are feeling that today. They're feeling that in relationship to maybe other people. They're feeling that in relationship to God. Or maybe it's been, you know, you, you kind of stayed behind and, and said, God, I'll, I'll catch up to you, kind of a thing. Or, or, or in some way, um, you were walking along and, and then you looked and, and you kind of like, where are you, God? And it, it's, it's been more than a day. It's been weeks and for some maybe months. And for some it could be years where it feels like God's just silent. At one point your life was alive with God. And it was filled with joy. But you're in this place, and as you've been walking through this place, you're trying to understand, where are you, God? What are you doing? I think that's what Mary was feeling. Prior to the, the visitation of the angel, and all the joy, 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 which we just heard sung, I think she was filled with a sense of, that sense of, oh God, where are you? And so as she's praying, we're told in Luke that, that an angel, Gabriel, comes to her and announces this message. And, and we pick up the story here after she's been told that she will give birth to the child Jesus. Verse 39, Luke chapter 1, says that at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. For she had been told when she was um, with Gabriel, Gabriel had said, your, your aunt Elizabeth, who is in old age, is with child. And and so Mary chose to go right away and, and, and went to see her. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as, as soon as I... The sound of your greeting reached my ears. The baby in my womb leaped for joy. 
blessed is she who has believed that the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary, after hearing this, or at least told in Luke, whether she immediately broke out into song or not, it gives the impression that Mary then says in verse 46, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would allow for us to hear again your word to our hearts. Whether it be for us in our own personal circumstance or whether this word is to be given to another through us. May we find joy in the truth that you are mindful of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What I want us to focus on this morning is this simple phrase in Mary's song. It's really verses 46 to verse 48. It captures the essence of her joy. It's a simple sentence. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And here's the reason why. For he has been mindful. Can I underline? He has been mindful. He's remembered. He's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And just think of the joy of being remembered. Think of the, the joy of, of recognizing the fact that you haven't been forgotten. I remember that joy because I remember turning the corner and seeing my mom and recognizing the fact that she hadn't left. She was still there. I want to share with you three reasons why Mary was able to boast. In fact, the word my soul glorifies the Lord. The word glorify means to praise. It means to be so filled with a sense of wonder and awe that you cannot help but to boast about this person. Because of who they are and what they've done. And he says, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. It's the idea that she bursts forth, she breaks forth in song when she meets Elizabeth and she hears these words from Elizabeth that she's been blessed. It's not enough that she's heard these from Gabriel, but somehow when she meets with Elizabeth, her older, um, wiser aunt who herself has had this work of God, God is stirring in her heart. She can't help as she hears her aunt's words to break forth in song. You ever, you've had that experience, haven't you, when you're just so full of joy? Have you done that around the house where you just start singing and people kind of look at you like, what is up with you? Or you try to sing? You know, come on, you've had that experience. Well, that's what's going on here. She breaks forth in song. And, and in a sense, she's, she's filled with joy because she recognizes she hasn't been forgotten. God has been mindful. And if you feel abandoned or you feel alone or you feel deserted, maybe you feel misunderstood or, or you've been maligned, or you feel in some way you've been marginalized in some kind of situation and you feel forsaken. Christmas is this, is this message that comes again when you look at the, the message that comes through the angels and the birth of a child and all that you see in Mary. It's this, it's this message that breaks forth and says, God's remembered you. Be filled with joy. When you feel forgotten, remember that God is mindful of you. He sees your situation. Be filled with joy first because he sees you. He knows you. He understands what you're going through. If you look at verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 48, Mary's exclamation is, For he, that is the Lord God, has been mindful of my humble state. This God has looked at me in my situation and he has answered. 
Mary, who was living in the backwoods village of, of Galilee. She was a small-time girl with, with the, what I call big-time lineage. She, she comes from the line of David, and yet she's wondering here, out in the middle of nowhere, out in Galilee, in the backwoods, God, do you remember me? I, it doesn't tell us in Scripture what Mary was praying for. You know, she probably was about 14 or 15 years of age. That's what is most likely thought of. That's when girls were given into marriage around that time. And we knew that it was soon that she'd be actually betrothed to Joseph. And so she's this young girl. Who knows what she's, what's on her mind? Who knows what concerns is going on within her heart? But she's praying to God. She's pleading to God. And as she pleads to God, she has an angel visit her. And comes to her. It says, Mary, you who seem, think in some ways that God has forgotten you and that you are somehow shoved off in this back corner and you who have come from this line who at once was great and now it seems to be, you know, where is God kind of a thing? He sees you. He knows your situation completely. Whether she was praying personally for her own situation or whether she was praying for the situation of, of all of Israel, whether she was praying to God saying, God, it has been 400 years. You have said that you would send a ruler, that someone who would come and succeed the, the line of David. And I'm praying for you. God, would you please come and, and save your people? Can you imagine 400 years of silence from Malachi to this point? God has said nothing. And there's a good chance what she was praying for was possibly part of that as well. And she was praying, God, don't you see? And God steps in and he says, I see completely. And so she breaks out in the song. She basically, she, she breaks out in the song of, of, of someone who was praying the same thing years and years ago. Her name was Hannah. You see, the song that Mary sings is really just an updated version. You know how we take hymns and we update them into some modern kind of thing? She was basically taking Hannah's hymn and she updated it. She took a golden oldie and started singing it anew. Because if you read Hannah's song, Hannah starts out and she says, Then Hannah prayed and said to the Lord, My heart rejoices in the Lord, for the Lord, in the Lord my horn has been lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. And if you go through Mary's song and Hannah's song, you'll see all these, again and again, these parallels of the very same things they're praying for. But Mary in her own words is in a sense saying, God, I just can't believe how wonderful you are. I praise you and I, I break into song because you visited me. My soul boasts, my spirit rejoices, because God is mindful. The word mindful is interesting. It means that God's mind is full of you. Right now, where you're at, he, he sees you completely. He knows you completely. He understands what you are going through. He understands the emotions that you are experiencing. God is mindful it means that you are on God's mind. And then he knows your current circumstances. And Christmas is that reminder that God sees and that he hasn't forgotten. Even it's 400 years were going on again and again, year after year, in the life of Israel who were waiting and waiting for this birth of a child, the King Jesus, to be born. Finally, at one point in one day, as Mary is calling out to God in her pain, in her crying out in this humble state for whatever she was praying for, God comes to her and says, not only am I with you, Mary, but I have come to bring to you one who will be born, who will succeed the line of David, and this time of silence will be over. I see your state. Have you ever felt forgotten? You ever felt that way? God just doesn't see. You're running around the aisles of your life, so to speak, and you're looking and you're saying, God, where are you? Where are you, God? I can't, God, have you forgotten me? Have you left? 
Now, you're not alone if they've been in that case, because all throughout the Bible, people who are after God, who seek after God, find that at times as they seek after God, they find that God eludes them. God doesn't seem to be there. God seems to have forgotten. In fact, if you go all the way back to the, the, the story of Noah, he's building this ark and he's following God, and God is just with him all the time, telling him what to do, giving him the instructions of how he should do it. We have all this work of God, and then God finally gets everybody, all the animals, onto the ark. They get them onto the ark. The ark is closed up. God tells them to close it up. It's just constant interaction going on with God and Noah. And then one day the ark is closed up, and the rain begins to pour, and it rains, and it rains. And then listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 7, verse 24. It's this, this idea that the water keeps coming, and the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Now, I think if you've never experienced it before and, and you've never experienced a flood, well, the flood comes, the water finally ends, and it's rain, and now it's about 20 days, and, and Noah's kind of going, well, you know, I don't think anyone's living yet, God. I think what's been meant to be done is done. It's 20 days. It gets to be 40 days. 60 days. 80 days. 100 days. Noah's beginning to scratch his, his head and saying, God, you know, we were so close at one time, God. I mean, I felt you kind of leading me, and you said to put all these animals in the ark, and it rained like we said it was going to rain, and now the rain stopped, and where, where are you, God? And it's 110 days, and it starts to stink on the ark. Right? You've got all these animals all over the place. And, and, and you go on to 150 days, and then finally it says in chapter 8, verse 1, but God remembered. This idea that finally God remembered. All of a sudden God spoke again. God remembered, it says Noah. And then I love this little thing. And all the wild animals and livestock that were with him on the earth. Not just Noah. He remembered everything else, too. What about Joseph? Have you ever been in that place where you kind of go, you know, I've been running down. I, I, God, you and I, we were, we're on this good relationship. You're talking to me. I've been seeking after you. And, and maybe in some situations you've actually said, you know, I was seeking after you, God. Then I kind of gave up on you, God. And I, and I started to call to you and I still haven't found you. Where are you, God? Look at Joseph. Here's a guy who, as a young kid, is given dreams that he is someday going to be significant in God's eyes. God is going to use him in a major way. That's a pretty cool thing. He shares some of these dreams with his brothers and his fathers. It doesn't create a lot of good feelings between them. And so they go and they finally get angry because he's got this favored coat that his father gives him. They sell him into uh, to, to slavery. He becomes a slave of the house of Potiphar. In Potiphar's house, he's falsely accused. Potiphar has him thrown into prison. He's now in prison. It seems that everything happens from that time of the dream. Things just go downhill. And you have to be asking yourself, where are you, God? And he's asking, where are you, God? And he's in prison. And finally, there's this, these two officials from Pharaoh's court comes into the prison. One is a baker and one is a, a cupbearer. And they have dreams and they're asking for someone to interpret the dreams. And, 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 and people say, well, this Joseph guy's a dreamer. He can interpret them. So Joseph interprets her dreams. He gives a bad interpretation, in a sense, to the baker who ends up losing his head. And the cupbearer, he ends up going back to the court of the Pharaoh. And as he goes back to the court of the Pharaoh, before he leaves, Joseph goes, just when you go back to Pharaoh, would you... Remember me? You ever done that too? It's your relationship. Not, not only do you feel forgotten by God, but you've been actually been talking to other people and you're saying, you know, pray for me. Would you have them, you know, ask, would you that God would do this? And you keep asking. And, 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 and this guy goes back to Pharaoh's court and he forgets. In fact, listen to what it says in Scripture. In Genesis chapter 40, 
The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. That's how it ends in chapter 40. And then the next verse picks up. When two full years had passed. You have been in that place before? Pharaoh had a dream. No one could interpret it. And all of a sudden the cupbearer goes, Oh, I remember a guy, Pharaoh. He was in prison. His name was Joseph. And they go down to get Joseph. And, and all of a sudden God begins to move. But all the time, God saw his situation. God saw Moses when he was on the run for 40 years. Now, this was before he took the children of Israel into the wilderness. For 40 years, he was at his father's farm as a shepherd. Started out a really good life. He was this, he was, Moses was this guy who was in the court of Pharaoh. He ends up seeking to, to, to um, set the people free in his own strength. And he kills an Egyptian. And he has to run because he's afraid that he's going to be now under the death penalty of the Egyptians. So he takes off. And for 40, 40 years, where are you, God? What are you doing? Do you see me? Mary's in a similar situation. She's in prayer. God comes to her and he, she, he says, I want you to go to Elizabeth. She goes to Elizabeth and she sees God beginning to work. She sees God sees their situation. God knows their situation. God knows you. He has been, she says, my heart boasts and I, I can't help but praise the Lord. I can't help but sing joy to the Lord because he sees me. He sees me. There's joy also, not only because she understands that God sees her situation, but she begins to understand this as well. And that is that as God is looking down on her and sees what's going on all along, she didn't probably realize it. You may not realize it, but God's at work preparing things. God's at work. He's not just sitting there watching, going, boy, really frustrating. He's busy. Not only does he see your situation, but he actively works when you can't see anything he's doing. He's busy and active, preparing things behind the scenes on your behalf and on behalf of the people that you are called to serve. The reason you've been born and for what he wants to do through your life, he is actually preparing things so that he can prepare you so that through you he can touch other people's lives. And Mary's responsive joy was a result of her visit to Elizabeth. She's reminded again of how God is at work. Not only is she told that she will have a child, she believes that she will, but the, the angel says your, your, your Aunt Elizabeth, who's an older age, who has been barren. Remember Elizabeth, and everyone knows Elizabeth, because she has probably been praying and asking everybody to pray and say, oh, would you please pray that, that I could get pregnant? Well, listen to this. This is kind of a neat story. Elizabeth's in her six months or so, or later, when Mary comes to visit her. Luke chapter 1, verse 23 and 24 says this. When Zechariah, who was Elizabeth's husband, his time of service at the temple was completed. You see, Zechariah had to go to the temple and he had to serve for so many months. He would go there and then he would come back. When he was at the temple, he went in one day and the angel spoke to him and said, you know, through you, your wife is pregnant, by the way. And Zechariah doesn't believe. He asks for a sign and God strikes him dumb in the sense so he can't speak. And that's the sign. So here he is. He's at the temple. His temple time is completed. Verse 23. He returned home. And after this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Isn't that interesting? She didn't go around saying, hey, guess what, everybody? God's at work. See? 
For five months, you know, what's interesting is for five months she stays in seclusion. So we go on and we read that in verse 26, as it starts to talk about Mary's story, which is was right after the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, it says in the sixth month God sent an angel to Gabriel. So here is the references to the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. God comes to Mary. He speaks to Mary. And then in verse 37 of chapter 1, it says the angel Gabriel says, you know what, your, your aunt Elizabeth, she's pregnant, she's six months pregnant. And Mary goes, I'm going to go visit her. And you see her make her trek. And I think about it. I think how wonderful it is to think about this God who is preparing things. He brings two pregnant women together. What a better illustration of how God works in preparing things, right? Because you think of a, a, a woman when she's pregnant. For, for how many months you see nothing, right? But what is happening? I've never been pregnant, so I can't tell you. I can tell you what others have said. There's all kinds of life going on. From the moment of conception, this baby is being formed. And it's dividing into cells, into so many cells. In fact, they say some of the greatest work of growth takes place in those first three months. Everything's being developed in those three months. And you can't see a thing. And here are two pregnant women grabbing each other. And the baby inside one is jumping for joy. And the baby inside the other is just getting all prepared right now. And Mary can't help but break forth in song because not only has God seen to step in because he's now at work once again after 400 years. He's moving through Elizabeth. He's moving through Mary. She can't help but break forth and say, God, you're preparing things. I can't see anything, but I believe it. I trust that you're in this situation right now, that you see my situation. Even though I've run down these aisles, I've been looking for you. I trust the fact that as I am looking and I am seeking and I am in this place of wondering where you are, you're still present. You're still active. And when God is at work, often you won't see his hand moving. Sometimes when he's doing the greatest things of work. I think again of Joseph, and I think of a guy who is a dreamer, who gets sent into um, this place where he's sold to this group who goes through Egypt, and these people sell Joseph to Potiphar, and Potiphar ends up having him thrown into prison. And each and every step was a preparation. God was doing something in him. God is doing something in you in each and every step. Moses, here's this kid. He's probably thinking... God, what in the world? He's out in the middle of nowhere. He's, he's with his father-in-law, Jethro. He's watching sheep. He's been in the courts of the Pharaoh. He's been in the courts of the king. He's been raised in the courts of the king. His mother told him when he was a child that he was a special child. Somehow, that when he was born, all the babies were, were, were killed. But he was saved somehow in a miraculous way. And in this little ark he was placed. And in the, in the, the daughter of Pharaoh came and found him and brought him into the courts. Because he's a special child. God's got something specially in mind for him. God's going to use him in a great way. He He's going to be something great for God. And he's in this place and he's looking out over this barren field and he's wondering where in the world was all this stuff you're talking about, God. And God's preparing him. Because he had to. He had to be in the courts of the king. He had to be in the, the fields, in, in, in the wilderness as a shepherd for the things that God wanted him to do. He had to go back to the courts of the king and to speak to Pharaoh. He had to lead the people for 40 years. Well, it should have been shorter, but for 40 years, he had to lead them into what? Wilderness as a shepherd. 
Same thing with Joseph. You go back in Joseph's life. He's a dreamer. But here he is. He's thrown in Potiphar's house where he learns how to be an administrator and be able to manage the affairs of the whole household. Because someday he would manage the affairs of the whole household of Egypt as second to the Pharaoh. But you know what's really interesting? Part of the ride was again downward. It doesn't make a lot of sense when God's doing preparation work because part of the ride came from where he goes to Potiphar's house. He's falsely accused. Now he's in a prison. Why would you go to a prison? It was a political prison he was in. It wasn't just in any ordinary prison. They sent the cupbearer and the baker and all the others. He learned all about the politics of Egypt when he was in that place. So that he could be elevated someday to the place God wants him to be. I, I love this truth of God. God's word to Joseph when he was a child and he was a dreamer. God's word to Moses through his mother's stories about the fact he was a special child is required this time of wilderness, this time of where are you, God, is part of the requirement of God to develop the faith in the character of the person he wants, as well as to develop the very character of the person to do the kind of work that he's called to do. God cannot give you what's out here till he has built what needs to be built in here. And that happens by faith and trust that God sees you and that he's working behind the scenes when you don't see him doing a thing. Isn't that cool? The whole message of Christmas is about that. God, for some 400 years, and even earlier, has been at work preparing everything so that someday He could make an announcement that Jesus, His Son, has come. And in that preparation, all the way along, until He could announce it, then Jesus would come. Who would be for all people. And we say, God, why? Let me just share with you that when you go through these times of wilderness... It is because God is doing something in you. And, and I encourage you, instead of trying to find God's hand at work in places and running around down the aisles, begin to say, God, what do you want to do in me? What is it that you're forming in me? Church, as we go through this time, and you may feel at times, well, this is a wilderness time for me. Instead of getting angry and, and reacting to one another and letting Satan cause us to bite each other, begin to say, God, what are you wanting to do in me? As a body, God, what do you want us to do? What are you doing in here, inside us? What are you creating within us so that we can take what you have out there for us? And, and then there's this, this work of, of understanding that you should be filled with joy because God has you on his mind. He sees you, he's preparing, and guess what? He will use you. You sometimes go, but God, I, I guess I'm a has-been. I just love Elizabeth. If anyone could have felt like a husband, she was older. And Elizabeth comes to Mary. She sees Mary and hears her words to Mary. She says, blessed is she who is believed that the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. You almost wonder if there's a little dig in there. Because her husband didn't believe and was silent. Mary hears and she's just singing for joy. And she says, blessed are you. And then, and then it goes on. Mary's given a promise. She believes. The angel tells her what he'll do. And Mary, Mary wonders. But she's not, it's not a, a lack of faith. It's okay to wonder, how are you going to do this, God? Sometimes God doesn't actually tell us. He just says it's going to happen. So, so Mary says, well, how will this be? She asks the angel, since I'm a virgin, that doesn't make sense to me in my human mind. And the angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born to you to be called the Son of God. And Mary goes, oh, that makes perfect sense. I don't think so. And then the angel adds a little aside. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child. 
in her old age. I love that scripture, just to let you know. In her old age, she who is said to be barren, worthless, put aside, She's in her sixth month for, for, listen, nothing is impossible for God. I don't care who you are or where you're at. You may have lived your life in such a way that you've been rebellious and you've turned away from God and you haven't really given your whole self to God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're 60 and you've lived that way or if you're 15 or 20 and you've lived that way. God has a purpose for your life and He will use you no matter where you're at. He's a God of grace and mercy. Not a God of performance. He's a God of goodness. And he takes Mary and he takes an Elizabeth, a child, 14 or 15, and an older woman who are both pregnant, holding and hugging each other and saying, praise God, he has remembered us. He has us on his mind. Isn't this a wonderful thing? Isn't this joyful? Incredible faith. I just so believe God wants to use this body. And I keep praying, and one of the things I've said to the elders and I've said to the staff, God, would you raise the level of faith and expectation among us? Would you develop a culture of peace and then a culture of faith? That when God says to us, I don't care who he calls and who he says it to, we go, we believe it. God's going to do that. Our God is not a God of words, as it says in the Word of God. He's a God of a demonstration of power. And I believe He wants to demonstrate His power to this land once again. And I think He's looking for people who, like Mary, will say, I don't quite understand how you're going to do it, God. And I'm not going to get into all the details of it. And it may look different than the way that I would imagine it. Because, you know, most people don't imagine a virgin giving birth. I don't know how it's going to work among us, God, but we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you to do it. I mean, are you with me on that? Do you believe it? Amen. I believe God wants to do that, folks. And Mary was full of joy. Because to be God's servant was what Mary wanted more than anything in her life. She may have been praying. Maybe she was feeling outcast by her friends. I don't know. But in that prayer of one who longs for God, often what we pray for, God, give me a job, or God, would you just meet this need for my child, or God, would you just be working in this situation for this friend that I love, often in those small prayers is a much greater prayer. God goes, I will meet that, and I will do far more than that. It isn't just about you. I love servants because I don't only just meet your need as a servant. I will actually use you to serve a whole bunch of others. So that when he looks at a Joseph, he goes, Joseph, I didn't put you into Pharaoh's court. I didn't make you second in command just for your sake. I did it so that you would save all of your children. As I said in the dream. Moses... I didn't put you in this little ark and have one of the daughters of Pharaoh find you and then put you aside for 40 years in the, in the wilderness so that you could just someday lead a bunch of people to the promised land about you. It's so that you could lead these people to a place where they could know me fully. Mary, when you're praying right now and you're asking for this, I have so much more I want to put in your hands. It's so much more. It's so much more than this basic need. I'm giving you a baby. And in this baby is no ordinary child. It is the king. It is the one who has come, who is for all people. And I have to share with you folks, I don't know what you're praying for, but there's more than just you involved. God has something greater. So seek him with all your heart and live with joy. Know in your heart 
that you are on God's mind. He is so full of, of, of what He wants to do for you in His mind and what He wants to do through you. You aren't forgotten. Put a smile on your face. You may not see what God's in. You may not even see Him, but he, He's there. He's present. I have a good friend who wanted his three children to always know that God sees them. He had on his heart, he just, so he would, he would tell them the story often when they were little. He wanted them to know that God never would forget them or abandon them. So he, he would tell them this story from a movie called The Bear. Anybody ever seen that movie, The Bear? Well, it's the saga of a tiny bear whose mother dies. It's kind of a Bambi thing, you know, it's not, you go, oh boy. Saga of a tiny bear who mother's di- whose mother dies. The cub survives, but the viewer knows when you look at this little tiny bear that the chances of this thing surviving is like nil. And then the unexpected happens. The little cub gets adopted by this enormous Kodiak bear. And the giant Kodiak bear is with this little cub everywhere watching over this little thing. He protects it and he teaches this cub how to be a bear and and everything the father bear does, the little cub imitates so that when the father bear gets up to growl, the little bear gets up there and does it. And and when the father bear is out there hunting, the little bear is back behind hunting and and the way the father bear sleeps, the little bear sleeps, everything. And you get this, this sense of hope for his future. He's going to live. And one day they get separated. And the little bear can't see his father anywhere. And off a little bit in the distance in the film, you see this mountain lion looking down, seeing his opportunity. And he comes swiftly and silently down face to face with the cub. And he's just about ready to spring. And you know, it's kind of over. And the little bear rears up on its hind legs, lifts his paws and tries to growl fiercely. And out of it, all he can manage is a frightened little squeak. And the mountain lion looks at him, is not convinced, and you can just see him ready to finish it off. And both the cub and his attacker know it's over. And the camera focuses on the mountain lion now, and as it focuses in on the mountain lion, you see the mountain lion's face begin to register this look of fear. You don't know what's going on. He stops snarling, he kind of turns, and he slinks away. And as it happens, the camera begins to pan back. And as the camera pans back, we see what we didn't know was there. We see what the little bear cannot see at that moment. Because behind that little bear is this great big Kodiak bear standing on his hind legs, his massive body poised to save his little son with a single swipe. And you you see big paws, fierce eyes, and glistening huge teeth. And then we know. The little bear never had anything to worry about. The cub couldn't see his dad. Couldn't hear him. Didn't know his father was at work behind him. But the father was there all the time. And the forest was a perfectly safe place for this bear to grow up and to live and to become all that it's to be. 
And that's the message of Christmas. This world looks so topsy-turvy. This world where we kind of run down lines like a little kid looking and saying, where are you? What are you doing? I can't believe it. My life's a mess and this is going on. And God is standing there all the time. He knows. He sees your situation. He's at work helping behind the scenes. And if He knows your heart is to be given unto Him to serve, He's actively engaged and He will step in. Because He's there. He's there all the time. And so I just, I just say, folks, be filled with joy. Because that's the God we serve. And that's the God we bring to all the places where we live and work and in our neighborhoods and every place we go. That's the God people are longing to be in touch with. Let's pray. Father, all fill us with joy. Come to these places that we have so long expected you to come. Give us the faith to endure and fill our hearts with joy knowing that you are here, even when we can't see you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.